This morning's scripture reading is taken from the eighth chapter of Paul's letter to the church in Rome. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death, if indeed you have the spirit of God living in you. But those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. The true children of God are those who let God's spirit lead them. The spirit we received does not make us slaves again to fear. It makes us children of God. With the spirit we cry out, Abba, Father, and the spirit himself joins with our spirits to say that we are God's children. We wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. Meanwhile, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't even know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit prays with us with sighs and groans too deep for words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us in harmony with God's will. What we say, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? For God is for us, who can be against us? Who can separate us from his love? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither things present nor things to come, nor any power, nor things above, nor things below, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We didn't uh, coordinate that. Uh, the script reading and the song. Uh, yeah, I didn't look at the list of songs and then the script reading was just chosen last night. Uh, so. Uh, and choosing most of the songs didn't seem to be So either you heard that and you thought, oh, they, they planned that, that was good. Uh, well, well, now you know we didn't, and so now you know that God is here, that God is speaking. Now, the other thing that could have happened is you just didn't even notice the, the connection between the song and the passage. And if that's true, then wake up and start paying attention. I cannot help you if you're not even listening, if you're not even trying. If you didn't notice the, the connection between the song and the passive woman, this is hopeless, you know, there's, there's nothing I can do for you. Um, I'm going to yield most of my time today to somebody in the congregation so you can hear her story. But before she gets up here, uh, we give some context to it. And this is it's going to seem uh, like like way too much context, not in terms of length, but in terms of period of time context. Uh, like where are you going with this? What I want you to understand is uh, my experience of her experience. I want you to just try to give me a taste of what it was like for for me. Uh, to see this person go through this. The only way you can understand that is by knowing kind of the, the history. Because for me, this is like proof. Like it, it might as well be just Jesus walking in the door and being like, hey guys, you know, it's like that, that much, just, it's, well, that's all there is. It's, it's proof. But, you know, you don't know her as well as I do. So I don't think we'll get you quite there, you know. But I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, and the only way I know how to give you that context is to go back to um, the, the very beginning of this church. So I haven't told this story in a while. Uh, 
the church was started in 2003. And by 2009, it had dwindled and had no money. And so the pastor who started the church uh, had to go find a job. You know, he was a grown-up kid, kids. Um, and so he had to go to a bigger, more stable church. And I knew him. And so he emailed me and said, hey, uh, you know, one option is the church could fold. The other option is, you know, can't really pay you, but if you wanted to move to New York and uh, try to take a job that doesn't really exist, you know, maybe they're going to keep the doors open for a little bit longer. And I was like, yes! <laughs> um, I was a law student at the time. I was a law student at the University of Virginia. And Brittany and I had been married a couple of years, and we were pregnant with Reese with our first. And so we did. We moved here. And the thing that proves to you that this was God is that uh, Kara Marriott was, you know, on the leadership team at the time, still is. And she was like the most supportive, gung ho, like, yes, we have to do this. Which uh, Kara is one of the, the most common sense, grounded, logical people I know. And so, you know, like for ten years we've been having meetings. I'm like. Uh, how about we do this? And she's like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard, you know? <laughs> and here's 10 reasons why. Well, so I just imagine Kara in this meeting. And, you know, the church is about to fold. And so he's like, well, there's this uh, 24-year-old law student at the University of Virginia, and we, we could ask him if he wants to come. And <laughs> just Kara would have been like, no, we're, we're not doing that. That's a terrible idea. And yet she didn't, because God was in it. And so, you know, the 30 people or so that were here when we came was one thing. Because, you know, they had been part of the church, they were committed to the church. We are meeting at PSE 9 in Battery Park City at the time. And then over the first uh, couple of months, though, what was uh, the test, you know, was we would have new people come. Uh, people that lived in Battery Park City, and we were, they'd have to walk by the sign, you know, at the, at the school. Uh, and they think, well, this is a lot closer than a church, at least. And, and so, uh, Mickey and Amy, along with uh, Jason and Sally, were some of the first, like, real people that came in the door, you know? Um, and I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, these are, like, adults, you know? Like, they, they have real jobs, and I'm up here, like, pretending to be a pastor. I've never been a pastor before. Um, like, and then they stayed, and I'm like, this is going to work. Like, I can bluff my way through this. This is, this is really, like, maybe going to work. And uh, what Mickey and Amy and Jason in particular represent to me, represented to me, uh, is what our church was all about. So with Sally, she's a, uh, her father's pastor, like mine. So she knew the drill, you know, she... Uh, had always been into church and uh, into God in, in some sense. So that was different in my mind. But with uh, Mickey and Amy and Jason, you know, they just were never that into church. They would go, but never that into it. And I thought, this, this is what our church should be. This is what our church should do, is help people like this. Like, this is what I want us to be about. And so for, for 10 years... Uh, I tried the best that I knew how to make a church for people like Amy. And she'll tell you this herself in just a second. 
just somebody, no nonsense. You know, the first thing I remember, my first memory of Amy is uh, stuffing Easter eggs for the Easter egg hunt. Back before we learned that we should buy eggs that are already stuffed. Um, <laughs> actually, so we all get together, and this is the type of person that Amy is, you know, she'd uh, show up for the stuff where you do stuff, where you do stuff with your hands. And I remember, like, I was trying to, I was trying to get, uh, like, some eggs from one big moving box, cardboard box to another. And I was, like, kind of, like, scooping them up in my arms, and she's just looking at me like, move out of the way. And she, she said, she said, here, move. And she picks up one box and dumps it in the other box. Like, like how um, stupid can you be? Like, just, like... And that's Amy, just no nonsense, get it done, make it happen. First person to visit somebody in the hospital, um, first person to line up to help. And I thought that was great, and it is great, and she still is that person. But then there was this other problem, which I did my best to make a church for her, and it wasn't working. Because I was in community group with her for years, and she never talked once. And I thought, well, maybe it's just, you know, like, some people are private, you know, and maybe it is working. And so then when this stuff uh, happened this fall, I would stand up here, and as I was saying what I felt God told me to say, or sometimes just as words were coming out of me that I wasn't planning on saying at all. I would see people in the crowd and I would be heartbroken because I would think there's just no way this is going to work for them. There's no way they're going to be able to go with this. And I would see Amy and I would look at Amy all fall and I'd think for 10 years I've tried to make this church for people like Amy and now here I am blowing the whole thing up and I know this is going to push her away. I know she just can't hang with this stuff. And shows you what I know. So uh, without further ado, please welcome Amy Wood. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Amy. I've been attending this church with my husband, Mickey, and our girls, which, where are they? Oh, okay, found them. Um, for almost a decade. Um, during that time, we've come every Sunday, participated in community groups, attended most of the retreats, and volunteered at many of the activities. And I thought that was good enough for me. Until about a month ago, something happened, and it's something that I wanted to share because I want it for everyone. And if it can happen to me, it can happen to you all too. A couple more things that are important to know about me as my story unfolds. I'm fiercely independent. I like to be in control. I'm an introvert. I'm stubborn. I'm a germaphobe and a nurse who has spent most of my career as a cardiac ICU in the past four years as a school nurse. Now for the backstory. I grew up Catholic, I've always believed in God, and my faith and prayer has been private. My focus was being on a good person, living a good life, not on emotions or experiences or anything too weird. That approach worked for me for years. 
I'm grateful for my family, happy the majority of the time, not one to be overwhelmed by positive or negative emotions. When frustrations, stressors, annoyances came up, I would deal with them on my own or turn to someone around me if I needed. That worked for me until 2018. When I found something bothered me that I couldn't let go, no matter how hard I tried. In January, I found out Mickey had lied to me. It wasn't anything major, but a lie is a lie and a sin is a sin, and I was hurt. Since this was a small bump in our almost 20-year marriage, I figured I could handle it on our own, and time would get me through it. Several months went by, and I was stuck. Finally, I decided to confront Mickey about it. The good news is, he came clean, apologized, asked for forgiveness immediately. I knew he meant it. I forgave him, and I told him I forgave him. The bad news is that while I forgave him, I was stuck with letting it go. Yes, it was painful when the truth was told, but we're human, we all make mistakes, we've all told lies. And now the thing that was bothering me the most, more than the lie itself, was why was I holding on to this so tightly? I began praying and listening to sermons on forgiveness. This helped some, but I still couldn't get there. I was holding on. Something I heard in the Daily Hope podcast was, real forgiveness isn't forgetting what happened. There's something better than forgiving. It's about remembering and seeing how God worked in it. When you forget, you don't get to thank or praise God. I wanted this, bad, the real forgiveness. Being able to remember and seeing how God would work in it. I just didn't know how to get there. As time went on, I started to get a little desperate. I didn't want to carry this around the rest of my life, and past few months were bad enough. Logan had said in one of his sermons, a little bit of unforgiveness, just a little bit, grows up into a big root of bitterness and pushes you into loneliness because you don't have a trusting relationship, and I knew I didn't want that. So in September, I went to my first night of worship. Mickey and Emma had been to one previously. They came home raving about it, saying I must go. That might not sound desperate to you, but for me it was, outside my comfort zone. I'd always thought those were for the churchy people. I went in open-minded, not knowing what to expect, and I loved it. The music was beautiful. I remember Ryan making a comment about there being angels among us. I left with a feeling of peace and calmness, yet power. After that, I started listening to worship music on my own, something I never had any desire to do. I began journaling once or twice a week, something I never made time to do before. This new openness continued at the women's retreat in October. I experienced two firsts. For one, it was the first time I heard someone pray in tongues. My eyes were closed. I heard these beautiful noises. I asked myself, what is it? and I was mesmerized, surprised that I was not freaked out by it. And more importantly, it was the first time I ever let someone pray over me. I actually sought out prayer, a real, out loud, their hands on my shoulder prayer. About a month after that, I went to the next worship night. There was something Ryan said that got my attention. Actually, I think it probably got everybody's attention. He interrupted a joyful night of music, he started out nice and easy by saying God is three in one. The Father, someone above us. The Son, someone with us. And the Spirit in us. Then he turned and started scolding us, demanding and finger-pointing that the Spirit be in you. In you. In you. At this point, 
he said, if he's in you, you should be able to feel it. And he told us, if we want the Holy Spirit to come in, you simply ask and receive prayer. Simply ask, have the Holy Spirit come in me. Oddly, with that, when he said that, it resonated with me. I was thinking, hmm, that sounds interesting. I'll do it. So that night, I decided to go back and receive prayer for the second time in my life. Nothing dramatic happened, but I was glad I went, and I was moved by seeing some things that were happening to others. As I was leaving, I saw the first person laying on the ground. And just like with tongues, I was not freaked out by it. The old me would have been the first one to check for a pulse and administer CPR. The new me was drawn to it. It was clear I was changing, but not in the one area I had originally set out to, the letting go. Still being open-minded, I decided to keep walking this new path, mostly out of curiosity to see where it would lead me. So I kept taking whatever seemed to be the next step. In January, I started reading the Bible. I picked up the Bible that had been sitting on the end table for who knows how long, randomly opened it, asked Mickey if he knew there was a book called Titus, and I started reading it from there. <laughs> the week after that, my best friend, Sally, sister-in-law, her nephew was in a terrible accident. The doctors were saying he would be paralyzed. I started praying immediately. I sent a text to my mom and sister, also asking them for prayer. My sister then texted her college roommates, also asking for prayer, and one of her roommates sent a link back to my sister asking that we get it to Sally. The link was a performance of the song, It Is Well, It Is Well With My Soul. My sister sent it to me, and then I sent it to Sally. Guess what the final song we sang at church was that Sunday? It Is Well With My Soul. Sally and I had the best crying embrace I've ever had in my life, something that I will never forget. And at the end, I felt a sense of peace wash over us. Instead of doing it on my own, I now felt like God is helping me along. Before, I didn't know where to start reading. Now he's saying, here, start here. And I was wondering, does prayer even work? Now I w Before, I was wondering, does prayer even work? Now I feel him saying, yes, I hear you. Keep speaking, keep asking. If you had told me that God was about to answer my prayer regarding forgiveness and letting go, and that I would be too scared to let him, I would have never believed you. But that's exactly what happened at the next worship night. That night, in between songs, Logan took the stage. And I was thinking, oh, great, what are we going to be scolded for this time? Logan said he felt like there were couples in the room that needed healing in their marriages. He asked they come back and receive prayer because God wants to heal the marriage only like he can. Again, I thought, hmm, that sounds interesting. But this time I froze. I was scared. I thought about it as the band continued but didn't make a move. Because out of all the ways I had got, imagined God answering my prayer, I never thought he would show up to interrupt an entire worship service. Over the next few days, I was kicking myself. I couldn't believe after I had been waiting for that, I missed my opportunity. Then my focus shifted. I knew I would get a second chance. I didn't know when, but I knew I wanted to be ready for it. The week leading up to the retreat was weird. I wasn't dreading the retreat or even indifferent about it. I was actually looking forward to it. I started preparing my heart. I Surrender became my theme song for the week. I had it on repeat over and over and over again. I Surrender. 
That Friday morning, I sent a text to my school nurse friend. She asked me what our plans were for the weekend. I still cannot believe this text came from me, and I didn't even link it to my story until Sunday after we had returned home from the retreat. I texted, this weekend we have our annual church retreat, so we are headed to Princeton, New Jersey on the train. I'm ready for the Holy Spirit to come work in me. This is the first time I have ever texted about the Holy Spirit. That Friday night, Logan opened up by telling us how important it was to prepare and not wait. At the end of the session during prayer time, Miss Mickey asked me if I wanted to go receive prayer with him. Wait, what? Is this the same prayer I had missed a few weeks before? I told Mickey yes. He told me to pick who and he would do the talking. It was obvious it had to be Logan because he had already mentioned healing in our marriages. Mickey told him we were asking for forgiveness. Logan said, who's forgiving who? Mickey said, she needs to forgive me. I looked at him and I was like, what? I already told you I forgave you. All this time I had been wondering something, even if, even if I believed how God could help me let go. I could never imagine how it worked. Was it going to be just a, a flip that he switches? It turns out that's exactly what he did. As Logan was praying the words, they came alive, so vivid, so real. I was caught off guard by my tears. Why was I so emotional? I already told Mickey I forgave him. Apparently, Mickey could tell it wasn't the true forgiveness I had been seeking when I didn't even realize it. The prayer was over. A weight had been lifted, which left me with an interesting question. Now what? I had already gotten what I had been asking for within the first two hours of the retreat. What was next? I sort of knew the answer to that. The point of clearing out the junk in my heart wasn't for it to be empty. It was to make room. I remembered what Ryan had said about God being in you, and I realized that this was probably God's plan all along. I was looking for the ability to forgive while he was looking for me. So by the time Saturday night session came, I knew I what I would be asking for. I would again ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever that meant, whatever it looked like. The opportunity came at the end of the service. Ryan invited whoever wanted to stay afterward to just come to the front of the room. He said we were going to just stand there and see if God shows up. On any other night, I would have thought this was absurd. But on that night, it somehow made sense to me. I walked to the front of the room with the crowd and stood there in silence, feet wider than hip distance apart, arms by my side, palms facing forward, eyes closed. I had a feeling something would happen, I just didn't know what. I did not have a chance to think about that for long, because all of a sudden, swoosh, there it was. My arms became heavy and numb, my legs weighted, my body tingling, my heart racing. All I could think, what is happening to me? I need prayer, let me walk around and see if I can shake this heaviness. Remember, I like to be in control. The walk didn't work, started getting harder to move, and I knew I needed help. The only person I could manage to make eye contact with was Dane. I lifted my arm heavy, slowly motioned for him to come to me. When he arrived, I said, something's wrong. My arms are heavy and tingling, my feet are weighted, my heart is racing. I was hoping he would share in my concern. But instead, he just laughed and said, welcome, as he placed his hand on me and began to pray. He prayed for the Holy Spirit to come in me, to fill me. He told me to stop fighting it, and as soon as he said those words, I didn't have a choice. I surrendered. The heavy, magnetic feeling got stronger and pulled me down, left me laying. Remember, I am a germaphobe. 
face down on this disgusting hotel ballroom carpet. But I still hadn't completely given up. I spent some time trying to get myself to move. I was like, wiggle your fingers, slide your foot, open your eyes. Amy, you're strong, you can do it. But I couldn't, so finally I gave in. For the next hour, I laid there, not falling asleep, not losing consciousness, but unable to open my eyes or move. I could still hear everyone in the room, and for the first time in my life, I could also hear and feel God. I felt him sitting next to me. At one point, he even held my hand. I felt him with me. I recognized the sound of his voice, and I knew from this moment I was never going to be the same. Part of me didn't want it to end, but part of me wanted to make sure I was still okay. Finally, I was able to roll over on my back and open my eyes. I still couldn't sit up or lift my, my legs. I saw Mickey sitting there next to me praying with his eyes closed. I interrupted him to tell him that this is so weird. I cannot believe what just happened to me. It's so weird. I kept saying it's so weird, so weird. I described to him the experience I had. Sally joined us and prayed over me while I was crying tears of joy. All of that happened just a month ago. At first I wondered if the feeling would fade, but now I realize this is my new normal. The heaviness, the heart racing, the tingling, numbness in my arms, it starts all over again whenever I focus on God. It's not the same every time. The intensity varies, but there's no denying it. Before when someone would claim that God had told them something, I would think, how could you possibly know it was him? Now I realize when a thought pops in your mind completely out of nowhere, and it isn't the type of thing that you've thought of before, and at the exact moment, your heart starts racing, your arms go numb, it really isn't hard to figure out who's speaking. But it's not the tingling and num numbness that's meaningful. It's the joy and peace, the certainty that God loves me as his daughter. Well, I was at work on Friday after the retreat, an assistant principal who I've never spoken to about religion said to me in the hallway as we were passing, I see God's work in you, Amy. I see the halo around your head. I could not believe these words came out of her mouth. On a slightly less encouraging note, my girls now refer to me as mom before the Holy Spirit and mom after the Holy Spirit. <laughs> My family tells me on a daily basis that I'm weird, sometimes affectionately, sometimes not so much. The other day, one of our girls was doing her homework at the kitchen table. Without realizing it, I was humming worship songs. She asked me if I had to do that. I told her no, that I would be more conscious of what I was doing, and then she proceeded to say, you're so weird. I asked her what she meant by that, and she said, you've changed. You just don't care about stuff you used to care about. And she's right, I am different. I experience more joy, peace, love, patience, kindness, faithfulness without even thinking about it. And in time, I know this will some be something that will happen to my girls, Mickey, and my family. They'll be weird too, not because I'm going to force it on them, but because I know God is pulling them in the way he did with me. My only hope is they aren't as stubborn as I was. And I will say the same thing to all of you. Why would you not want this? Why would you not do whatever it takes to get this? In some ways, it's out of control, but in other ways, there are things you can do. When I look back at my story, I see there were choices I made that got me where I am today. I began by admitting I couldn't fix my own heart. Then I opened myself up to things that were way outside of my comfort zone. 
I made worship and prayer a bigger part of my life. Most important of all, I asked to be prayed for by others. Then I did it again and again and again. As a private person and one who does not like to ask for help, I really can't tell you how scary this was for me. But none of this would have happened unless I got out of my seat. And then after all of that, it just came down to actually asking. Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. He's specifically talking about the Holy Spirit. And it's true. I asked and I received. I sought and I found. I knocked and the door was opened. Because I was completely naive. I had no idea beforehand how all of this would have manifested. If I had known that I would be laying on that hotel carpet, I would have not asked. <laughs> but now that I've experienced him, my only regret is that I didn't ask sooner. And I want this for everyone. I want more for myself, for my family, and everyone here. Let's pray. Father, I know we are all on our own individual walk with you. You showed that to me. I'm asking that you meet us where we are. Show us that we are your children. We are special. For those that are closed-minded, I ask that you start by softening their hearts. Open their eyes and ears so they begin to notice your presence. For those that are seeking, I pray you fill them with the Holy Spirit. For those who are wondering if asking for prayer is the right thing, I pray you give them the courage and the strength to go to the back of the room and ask for prayer. And for those that need forgiveness, I pray that you give them light as they sit in darkness. Guide them on a path to peace. We know there is forgiveness of sin for all those who repent. In Jesus' name we pray.